where we say where I'm from, aloha. Aloha. You guys know that. The first service was a little dicey on that this is a call and response thing. But yeah, in Hawaii, you call it out and then somebody else calls it back. And it comes from the word aloha actually means shared breath. Aloha is shared and ha is breath. So what Polynesians do is when they greet one another, they put their foreheads together and you're supposed to take a deep breath. Refers to sharing breath, which also refers to sharing of the spirit. Now, as a fellow believer, you know, from another church, my first time here, I can say to my brothers and sisters, we share of the same spirit, of the Holy Spirit of God in Christ. So I can say aloha. And uh, it's a privilege to be here. It truly is. Um, Matt's all right. We really love Zoe. (laughs) We really love Amber. And Matt's just kind of like part of the package deal for us. Um, I'm joking. I've known Matt for, for over eight years, and uh, FBC, you guys made an excellent decision. I know he was young, and you took it flyer, but I think you're seeing already he is particularly and uniquely gifted to be doing what he is doing. Uh, truly, I, I don't know of a better man. I don't know of a more loyal friend. I don't know of a more dedicated pastor than the one you have. You are one of the luckiest congregations in America, and I'm honored to be able to stand up here in his stead uh, to preach to God's people from God's word this morning. And as we get into it, would you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, we come to you acknowledging your presence and asking you to speak, God. I pray that you'll hide me uh, behind your cross, that you will speak uh, your words through this message. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would take it uh, and apply it to our minds, that we would understand it, that you would take your word, apply it to our hearts, that it would really change who we are, that you would apply it to our hands and our feet, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers also. I pray this in your name. Amen. It was an early Sunday morning when Preston Scarborough led police on an unexpected car chase in Plain City, Utah. People had called in that this vehicle was driving erratically throughout the neighborhood and into a shopping center and around the the parking lot, and so police started chasing and pursuing the vehicle. But the chase only topped out at about 40 miles an hour, and it lasted for about 40 minutes until Preston pulled into his home, put his Dodge Intrepid in park, ran inside to tell his dad the police were in the driveway, because Preston was seven. And then Preston went down to hide in the basement. And when his dad was putting two and two together, bringing him uh, out of the basement, son, what, why why'd you take the car on a joyride? Well, I didn't want to go to church today. <laughs> it's so hot in there. Which, uh, you know, we can kind of relate maybe a little bit to, to young Preston this morning without AC. Uh, I can relate to young Preston especially having that feeling some Sunday morning. He's like, I just don't want to go to church. And so I, I remember as, as a kid, uh, like I grew up in a Christian home, and so like most kids, I occasionally tried to get out of going to church, but my dad was the lead pastor, so it was kind of hard. And then my mom's a nurse, so like you got no sympathy when you tried to sell a sickness. The clammy hand licking did not sell at all. The, the comedian Mark Lowry had a similar experience growing up. He said when he said, Mom, I don't feel good, Mom would say, oh yeah, well why don't you throw up and prove it. That was my mom. And if you didn't throw up, you went to church. And if you did throw up, she'd say, now don't you feel better? Let's go to church. (laughs) 
So today we are talking about going to church. Now, I understand you've uh, been in this series through 1 Peter, focusing on how we as God's people, how we are living in exile on earth. We don't ultimately belong here. Right? Everywhere we go in this world, we are, the Bible says, strangers and aliens. We belong to another kingdom from another world. This planet is not our ultimate home. We're just passing on through. But the Bible gives one exception to that reality. There is one place where we are where we can legitimately call home. Yes, we're citizens of another kingdom, but God has not left us as homeless orphans. Though we don't belong, there is one place we actually do belong. There is one home away from home. What is that place? What's, what's that home for us? It's the church. Now, we don't belong in a building. That's not what we were made for, but we were made to belong to a people. We are at home in the community of God. Ephesians 2.19 says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So the household of God is the one place on this earth where we are meant to be most at home. It is the foretaste of our, our home for the future. It is the outpost of our home that is in another world. We ought to feel most at home in the church. This is the special fellowship that God created us to enjoy, the global church family, because we're going to enjoy that not just for this time on earth, but for all of eternity. This is why I was so thrilled to, to hear from Matt about just the, the great things God is doing in and through this church. I, I loved hearing about some of the renovations that you guys have made to your facility, to your sanctuary, putting in like some of the panels and, and just updating things like the glass doors and putting stickers on the doors so people don't walk into them. It's thinking. It's smart. All right, so you guys are making this a, a home away from home for people. You understand that the way your sanctuary looks and feels says something to people. It says something to them about what you think about them and what you think about God. So I love that, that this is a church that wants to honor God. It wants to welcome people. You are doing that so well. I've already been invited to 12 different life groups. I've been talked to by so many of you who don't even know me. Just, hey, there's a, a random stranger coming and talking. You guys are doing a great job. Keep up that warmth. You're doing well at, at making this a home away from home. God's household. That's what Ephesians 2.19 says. Now, household is kind of an old English word. We don't really use that word too much anymore, but it, it essentially means family. It, it means family. So does Ohana, for that, I've been told. Now, the moment you believe, God places you in his family, his Ohana, his royal household. Now, being part of a royal family, just like for a king or a prince, is a position that comes with a whole lot of privilege. But we maybe sometimes don't consider that it's a position that also comes with some responsibility, too. So I want to talk with you a few minutes this morning about what are some of those privileges we have being part of the family of God, and what about some of the responsibilities we have as members in, in God's church. First, the great privilege is the one he just highlighted in Ephesians 2.19. God says through Paul, we're no longer strangers. We're no longer aliens. We're at home. 
God has given us a new family in the church. In God's family, the greatest privilege we have is we have a privilege of belonging. We belong to God and we belong to one another. This is a gift that is given to us. We don't earn it. It is given to us by grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, just like you didn't decide to become part of your biological family, some of you maybe wish you'd have gotten a vote on that, but you didn't. You also actually didn't get a vote about being put into God's family. The minute you put your faith in Jesus, you were reborn into his wide family. Like it or not, you are a part of the church, the big C universal church. So it's a misnomer for some of us to sometimes think about, well, we become a believer and then we go and join the church. No, if you're a Christian, you are part of the church. God places you there. You become a member of God's royal family the moment you believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit says he's the one who actually puts you into that family. He baptizes you into that. He doesn't baptize you into Facebook, right? He doesn't, like, force you to join your gym. He doesn't put you into any other organization. But God puts you into his organization, his family, his people, into the church. You are part of his household if you have put your faith in Jesus. Now, that reality is wonderful, we celebrate it, but it also confronts us with, with something that we might not think about often enough. And it's this, that apart from our commitment to Jesus Christ, God's household holds our greatest allegiance. Our greatest and most important relationship outside of God is actually with the church, the people of God. Because that's the relationship, that's the family that you are going to be a part of forever. Now, obviously, your, your spouse is crucial and important in your life. You need to prioritize that relationship. But Jesus says there's not going to be marriage in heaven. But there will be his people. You will be part of, of his family for all of eternity. That's maybe not something we think about very often. The most defining allegiance in your life is not who your mom or dad are. The most defining relationship is not your family. The, the most defining allegiance is not the sports team you follow. But go Warriors. We can all agree on that. Your greatest allegiance is not the country you defend. It's not the state you live in. It's not the political party you support. The most defining relational, the most defining organizational allegiance in a believer's life should be after Christ to his church, to his people to the royal household, the family of believers all around the world. Now, Matt and I have a lot more in common than a love for sports, theology, burgers, uh, sending dank memes to each other all week long, uh, using bad puns in sermons. We're both fans of that. But our deepest connection is actually that we are brothers in Christ. That is the deepest association he and I have with one another. So this means that I have more in common with a widow in Nigeria who is hiding out in her apartment, escaping persecution, than I have with a, a fellow Cornhusker fan who lives in Hawaii, has seen every Jason Bourne movie five times, and listens to Taylor Swift all day long. That guy and I have a lot in common, but not as much as the widow in Nigeria and I. Why? Because we have been placed together into the family of God. We belong to the church, and that makes her and I closer than anything else. 
we are both privileged to be part of, of God's family, God's household, she and I, because this is where we belong. This is the family God says, I have put you in, I've created you for, and that you're going to enjoy for all of eternity. All right, so that's the great privilege. We get to belong to a family that we were created for, that we get to, to be a part of and say, this is home. I belong to the people of God. What about the responsibilities that we might have as members of his household, right? Just as a ruler or governing authority has privileges and responsibilities that come with his position, being president of the United States comes with a lot of privileges, but being president of the United States also comes with a lot of responsibilities. <clears throat> so being the son and daughter of God comes with a lot of privileges, but it also does come as a position with some responsibilities, the Apostle Paul kind of addresses that side of the coin in a letter to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 10. He says, Say, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So the responsibility we have as God's people is to do good. I mean, that is as broad as it can be. Do righteousness, do act justly and mercy, all that stuff. To do good to everyone. Because everyone is loved by God. Everyone is, is made in the image of God. Every person is valued and loved by him. Therefore, they ought to be valued and loved by us, his people. But there's particular emphasis here on giving priority to the people of God, that, that fellow believers, fellow Christians and brothers and sisters ought to have some, some special priority in my heart, in my life. My time, my attention, my resources, yes, should go out to help everyone, but we ought to give special attention to our fellow brothers and sisters because we're going to spend eternity with them. Now, what's important to understand, though, <clears throat> is while we are instantly, the moment we believe in Jesus, made part of the universal church, that privilege of belonging and the responsibility of doing good can only be lived out through a local expression of the global church. All right, so instantly you are made part of the global church, but that's not actually where you are called to live your life. You're called to actually live it in a local church. Our general membership in God's family finds expression through specific membership in God's royal family, wherever we live in this world. So when we talk about committing to a church, we're talking about a, a very sacred call. We're talking about joining with a local household, a local family, to be part of God's great and huge and redemptive work in the world. Right, as his family, that's what we get to be a part of. As his body, we continue the ministry that Jesus continued of preaching the good news of the kingdom of God to a lost world. Now, we get to be privileged to be part of that mission, and we have the responsibility to be part of that mission, but we don't do that on our own generally as part of God's universal family. We do that through a local church. Every single New Testament believer was part of a local church was connected to some kind of local congregation. So when we talk about coming to a local group, it's, it's so that together 
We can push back the forces of darkness in our communities by the power of the Spirit with the light of Jesus. So the call to do good goes out to the universal church, but that's lived out through a commitment to the local church. So what does it mean to do good to a local church then? What, what might that look like? Well, I think it kind of comes in two steps. The first step is to do good to God's household. You need to dig in. You need to dig into one household. That, that means commit. Commit to a church. Commit to a household. Like I said, when we read the New Testament, we see that the local church is Jesus' system for continuing his mission in the world. The local church is where people are discipled, where they're taught from his word, where they practice worship together. It's where they mature. It's where they're mobilized for ministry. <clears throat> These local households of faith throughout that we see in the Bible, they're made up of identifiable groups in particular times and places. Every New Testament believer is connected to one. There is no such thing as a Christian orphan anywhere in the New Testament. So if that was true for the disciples in the first century, that every one of them was connected to a local church, then, well, maybe that's something that should still be true for us today. Every Christian is called to commit to a local church, to dig in somewhere. Right? You cannot fulfill the commands of God. You can't belong and do good if you're not committed to a particular church to carry that forward. Now look, I get it. I am preaching to the choir here. We're at church, Scott. We're here. I need to give you so-and-so's phone number who's not here. You need to call and talk to them. <clears throat> so I get that. You are displaying your commitment to God by showing up here. Awesome. You're doing great. Keep doing it. Keep digging in here at FBC. But there might be others. There might even be some of you here today who might still be on the fence, right? You don't want to fully commit to a local church. You kind of like having one foot in a church and maybe one foot out. You enjoy having the privileges of, of belonging and the privileges of being in a church, but you don't want the responsibilities. You don't want that side of the coin. If that's you, I would strongly encourage you to dig in. Because the privileges you think you're getting from belonging are actually just a shadow of what you would get if you were to commit and be part of the local church. And accepting both the privileges and responsibilities that come with our position as God's child. It is his best plan for you to be committed to a local church. So find a place where you can belong. Right? I'm just going to say this. If it's not here, then it's not here. That's okay. All right, Matt wants you to go where God wants you to go. So if that's not here, if this is not a, you feel a, a place where the, the vision is one you support, uh, the, the Bible is taught in a way that is helpful and clear, which I listen to your sermons. I think they are. I would commit here if I lived in Benicia, but I don't, and I don't know what God's telling you. But you should commit somewhere. Right? Not committing for a long time is not God's plan for you. That's not his best so find leaders you can joyfully submit to, you can be accountable to, you can support people you can share your life with, and dig in. Commit. It's our responsibility as believers to do that, to do good to one another. And we can only do that 
if there's an another people in the room that we've actually committed to. Now, I know broadly speaking, there, there are those who don't see the value in even digging into a church. Like, why, why should we be committed to, to a local church? Maybe some of you even here have thought that. Let me first, as a leader in a church, apologize to you. I'm sorry. We have not taught you the truth well on this subject. I think as the church overall, we've kind of lowered the bar of commitment. We've maybe even erased the bar of commitment entirely just so we could get more people in the doors. We have sometimes catered to a cult of individualism. We have cultivated self-centeredness instead of cultivating self-forgetfulness. We've allowed kind of a consumer mentality to creep into the church where the church is only seen as a distributor of a variety of religious goods and services. I mean, think about maybe the last conversation you had with somebody about uh, looking for a church. And I bet you heard something to the effect of, well, we're looking for a church that suits our needs. That will take care of us. One pastor writes that the phenomenon of church shoppers has profoundly shaped the contemporary church the entire conversation is not about relevance, but about convenience. The focus is not on serving the world. The church itself became the focal point. <clears throat> Sorry, I'll grab my water. Our motto has degenerated from we are the church here to serve the broken world to what does the church have to offer me. So when the church no longer meets our needs, what do we do? There was a man who was uh, found deserted on an island in the Pacific, and when the, the captain of the sailboat that found him rescued him, so happy, they're chatting, they're talking, <clears throat> and the captain looks and says, hey, I, I notice you have three huts. What, what, are, what are the huts? He's like, oh, well, that one's my home, and that one's my church. Oh, cool. What's that third one? Oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> you thought it was Costco, didn't you? It's kind of, it's a funny, humorous, but also kind of sad and somewhat true illustration, isn't it? Often in, in urban environments, if, if Honolulu is at all like San Francisco in this sense, in the Bay Area, churches are kind of like a bunch of aquariums. And little fishies are hopping from one aquarium to the other, looking for, like, the aquarium that just is most comfortable for them. You know, looking for one that has the right pH balance that they like to have. Or they're looking for one with a, a coral castle. Or they're looking for one with one of those deep sea divers. Or maybe the one with bubbles and, you know, the little treasure chest one. Maybe they're looking for one uh, where they can be a big fish in a little tank. Or maybe they'd rather be a minnow swimming among the thousands of fish. Some people want to be involved in cleaning the tank, and other people will jump out at the first sign of responsibility. But this shouldn't be. We shouldn't be so individually focused. We should go where God wants us to go, plug where he wants us to plug, dig in where he's calling us to dig in. The pastor and author John Piper says, Lone Ranger Christians are a contradiction. Because becoming a Christian means being united to Christ 
And union with Christ expresses itself in union with the local body of believers. There is no perfect church out there. And if there is, it will stop being perfect the minute I walk in there. Right? So this one is now no longer perfect. It is now tainted. I realize I've brought the bar way down this morning. I know church life is hard, guys. I do. I grew up in it. I was a pastor's kid. I saw it up front. It gets messy at times. There can be carnage. There can be a lot of relational hurt. But I absolutely believe it is still worth it. That because of the church, the local church throughout the world is God's plan for the world. That's his plan A. The great hope for the world is is the message of Christ and the love of Christ lived out through the local church around the world. There is no plan B. You're it. You're plan A. So dig in to a local church. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be easy. But commitment is worth it. We have the benefit of belonging. And we have the responsibility to dig in. To do good to God's household. Dig in. Join the church. Commit. Be all in. What does that look like here at FBC? Well, I think the next two steps for you to be would just show up on Sundays. Right? Be committed to being here on Sunday. Again, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on Sunday. But I'm, I, I get that Tahoe's really close. Right? But there's some people that approach church attendance as, well, if I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not, I'm not. You know, it's like, well, if nothing better comes along, I'll go to church. But is that the way we ought to prioritize? Is that doing good to the household of God? To say, well, if nothing better comes along, I'll go. Or ought we to say and set aside, Lord, Sunday mornings are for serving you and serving and being a part of your people. Now, obviously, you're going to miss at times. People get sick. You go on vacation. Of course, like, not being crazy here, but I'm just saying, is it, is it a priority for you to be here, to be part of God's people? A great next step would also maybe be joining a small group. If you've been coming for a while, great. Get to know people more. Let them get to know you. Share spiritual friendship with them. Do life together. If you want to do that, I'm told that there's a connection card in your hand. Fill that out. Drop it in the plate. You can get started. You can talk to Matt or somebody out at the welcome table after the service. Because the first responsibility we have as God's people to do good to the household of God is to dig in. All right, what's the second step? To dig hard. To actually dig. This means work. This means effort. This means inconvenience. This means personal sacrifice. This means discomfort. It means you give of yourself, your time, and your resources without making sure you're coming out ahead. Making sure you're taking more than you're giving. That's what this means. It means to dig. Our responsibility in God's household is to serve him and to serve his people, to serve one another. We do not join a local church to consume goods and services. We ought to join a local church to contribute to the people and the mission of God. So doing good means doing work. You grab a shovel. You, you join the mission. You do your part. You pitch in. Right? You don't just pull up a chair and be like, all right, take care of me. I'll take my Mai Tai now. About halfway through the service would be great. Now, the leaders here at FBC, they care about you. They want God's best for you. They want to help you worship God. They want to help you connect. They want to help you grow in your faith and go and engage the needs of the world. But they can do none of this for you. 
at best, they can do this with you. They can't do it for you. You have to engage. You have to pick up the shovel and say, yes, I'm going to also take responsibility for my growth, for my connection. I'm going to take those next steps. I'm going to make this the place where I dig in and where I dig hard. Now, I really want to make sure you don't mishear me on a couple things. First of all, I am not saying that you shouldn't be getting anything out of being part of a church. Right? I'm not saying, well, if you're benefiting here, leave because you need to go somewhere where you're in the negative. It's not what I'm saying. Right? I'm not saying that, if you, if, that, that you shouldn't be fed, you shouldn't be being taken care of, you shouldn't be experiencing community and joy and love. No, you should. I hope that being part of FBC is enriching your life. I absolutely do. But I hope that's not the only reason you're here. I hope you are not only here so that your life can be enriched. I hope you take a look at the person on your right, take a look at the person on your left, and realize I'm here for them too. Not only that, but I'm here for the empty chair that is just on the other side of them. Because as a church, we exist for people who aren't even here yet. And I want to contribute to the mission of allowing more people to experience life as God intended through faith in Christ. So I hope you are here for you, but I hope you're not only here for you. And that means serving. That means committing. That means digging for others. That means committing and contributing. Now let me make sure we clarify a second thing here. We do not commit and contribute in order to get anything from God. Right? I'm not saying if you commit and contribute, God's going to bless you more. You're going to be closer to him. This and this is going to, you're going to get all these blessings. And you're like, no. What does Ephesians 1.3 tell us? We have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God has already poured out his lavish love and grace on you and me in Jesus. He truly has held nothing back. He has no more grace and love to give than that what he's already giving you in Christ. So God is not going to be happier with you and love you more, or you're going to be a little bit more favorite if you do this or don't do this, right? The gospel message is clear. We, we don't commit and contribute to get something from God. We commit and contribute because we've already received everything from him. We don't commit and contribute to somehow get God to give us stuff. We commit and contribute because he has given us his own son. He has held nothing back from you and me. Everything we have is from him to him. And through him, that's why we dig in and dig hard. Not because we want to earn something, but because he's already graciously given us all things in his son. So practically, okay, what does committing and contributing maybe look like? We talk about committing would be maybe just saying, I'm going to really make an effort to be here Sunday morning. I'm going to make an effort to join and be part of a life group. Digging hard, let me give you a couple things you can do to maybe put that into practice. First would be to give, to give financially. Now, this is perhaps an obvious and somewhat unpopular uh, implication of doing good to the household of God, but I hope you see this is an important way that you are contributing to the life and to the mission of FBC. I mean, if you look around, the coffee cup that you are drinking from, 
the chair you are sitting on, the lights that are on, the sound system, the staff that loves you and serves you and that is here, everything you're experiencing this morning, you're experiencing because somebody else gave in the past. The blessings you are experiencing of belonging is because somebody else contributed financially to this church. Contributing, giving is a huge way to make a contribution. I'm not trying to be the, the hokey pastor who comes and says, give us your money. I don't care if you give. I, I'm leaving. I'm going back to Hawaii, right? Like, I got no skin in the game here. So I get to just tell you what God's word says. And God's word says that his people should be giving regularly, generously, and sacrificially. Now, whether or not you do it, well, that's between you and the Lord. But I am telling you, this is a huge and important way that we can contribute to the mission of God's people. Not only is it good for the church, but it's actually good for us. Right? Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven, hell, prayer, and faith combined. He talked about money more than anything but the kingdom of God. So it's his second most top, important topic. Why? Because I think he knows our hearts have a tendency to go after it. Our hearts have a tendency to overvalue it and to be greedy and to want to hold on to it and to consume rather than contribute with it. He knows we have that tendency, which is why the best antidote to that greed and that materialism that can take on our hearts, that what Jesus calls that desire for more, the best antidote to that is generosity. If money has a hold on your heart, you need to give it away. That's the only way you're going to break that chain is to be more generous with it, keeping it at arm's length. Because if you keep holding it up here, you're only going to see everything. You're not going to see the rest of the world or people. You're just going to see the money. Keep it at arm's length. Be generous with it. Everything you're experiencing here does have a, a cost associated with it. I don't know why God designed it this way. I don't know why he designed money to function like a muscle to ministry. We can ask him when we get there, but he does. Ministry happens often through financial giving. And, and, and ministry and, and giving is like a muscle. And just like a, a muscle, you go to the gym, you got to work it out. You got to strengthen it if you want that muscle to be strong. So giving is like a muscle. If you feel like, you know, giving is kind of easy for you, and then maybe you're going to the gym and you're just doing the same routine every time. Maybe add a little bit more weight to it. Maybe God's saying, hey, I want to grow you in the area of giving. I want you to become a stronger, more generous, more godly giver. So maybe that means giving a little bit more. Or if you've never given to your church, maybe, maybe it means giving a little to start with, period. Don't just be a consumer. Be a contributor. Some of you are already doing this. Awesome. Keep going. Keep going. I don't even know what the church finances look like, but I'm just telling you what God's word says. This is an important way that we can help dig in and dig hard. But the last thing I would want you to, to take away from this sermon <clears throat> is that finances is the only or even the primary way that you can make a difference here at FBC because it's not. The number one way that you can dig is to dig. It's to serve. To serve somewhere. Serving is so crucial. We cannot obey God's command to do good to the household of God if we're not willing to serve. Jesus set us an example. He says, hey, what you've seen me do, disciples, is what I want you to do. He says, I, the Son of Man, have come not to be served, but to serve. Every single one of us has been endowed by God with certain gifts and abilities, experiences, backgrounds, knowledge, not so that we can hoard these things, 
but so that we might use these gifts to contribute to the flourishing world that God wants to see in our communities. The church cannot function without its people contributing according to their gifts, experiences, abilities, all the stuff that God has given them. That's what makes the church run. And I'm so thrilled to see that. This morning I got here, there was like 10 people out there setting up for this uh, for, for the welcome team. And there was a bunch of people up here leading us in worship. We're so thankful for them. There's people back there. There's people right now taking care of your children. Do you help take care of other children as well? Do you allow other parents to sometimes sit in here? Or do you just let other people take care of your kids? And, and dads, maybe a special comment for you on that. Children's ministry is not an extension of women's ministry. Those are actually two separate things. And dads, your kids need to see what's important. If you show up at their school plays, you show up at their sports teams, you show up at all the things they do, but you never enter their classroom at church, what are you telling them? What are you telling them about what's, what's important, about what your priorities are for them? I encourage you, dads, serve. Because it's, it's not babysitting back there. That's the other misnomer. We think, well, it's childcare. No, it is discipleship. Those kids are being discipled and taught the word of God in a way that they can relate to and understand and implement. And that is a good, beautiful thing. And both men and women can contribute in huge ways back there. You can contribute in huge ways throughout the church. I actually went to the website and found there's a place. You can go to the FBC Benicia website, click on About Us, Commitments, and Grow. And there's actually a form that Matt and the team have created you can just fill out and say, yeah, I'm interested in serving in some of these areas and just get some more information. One of my favorite conversations I had as a pastor at church was I had two friends who'd been coming to the church for a little bit, and then they came up to me and they said, hey, Scott, we want to serve anywhere. I'm like, no, really, like, where do you actually want to serve? They're like, anywhere you want. Put us in, coach. Wait, like, really? They're like, yes, we will, we will serve wherever the church has needs. That's happened one time in my life. Those are some of my closest friends, and they're actually sitting right over here because they live in SF and they heard I was here. Be like them, right? That was one of my favorite conversations, to be like, wait, you really? I can put you in anywhere. They're like, anywhere. And they were awesome. Just, you might have specific ideas, maybe for a ministry the church doesn't have yet, a burning passion for it. Great, bring that up. Maybe you've got uh, some ideas to take the, help the church move in some new ways. That's awesome. But don't focus on what am I going to get out of serving. Focus on what is God's kingdom and what are God's people going to get out of me serving. Right? Ask how you can do the most good for others, not asking how you can do the most good for yourself. Right? The serving that God calls us to is oriented toward him and toward others. So those are two things you can do. You can give and you can serve. Maybe there's other next steps you can think of that, hey, God's talking to you about right now. Great. Follow his lead, whatever he's telling you to do. But as God's people, as members of his royal household, we have the privilege of belonging and we have the responsibility to do good to God's household. And to do good means that we dig in and we dig hard. It means we commit and we contribute. So what's God asking you to do today? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are a God who doesn't just command us to do things that you know in our power and on our own strength we can't do. God, I admit that I'm probably the most selfish person in this room. 
And Lord, but by you, because of you, you come into our lives, you make us new, you say that you, through the gospel, can empower and enable us to live new lives, lives that are oriented toward you and toward others, rather than our selfishness directed in on ourselves. So God, we confess that sometimes we are selfish and we know we ought not to be. Help us, forgive us for our self-centeredness and help us to be self-forgetful. Give us the joy of serving you. Let us experience just the wonder and excitement it is to belong to your family, expressed through a local church. And Lord, give us the wisdom and help us understand how we ought to contribute to the work that you have called us to do as your people. Because we want all people in all places, Jesus, to know and to worship you. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen.